Hello, everyone. Welcome to Collisions YYC Current and Critical. I'm your host, Tyler Chisholm. Thank you for joining me today for another good old-fashioned chat. Today's show is brought to you in partnership with Sagium, where creating wealth is just the beginning. For many of us, planning our financial future can be an abstract and sometimes daunting task, especially when you don't have a framework to work with. The value of a well-thought-out plan can help create a financial roadmap for your future self. At Sagium, they took a hard look at the industry and did not like what they saw. Self-serving behavior by industry professionals, conflicts between what was best for the client versus what was best for the advisor, not taking the time to fully understand the needs of their clients and most importantly, their families, a true lack of collaboration across the entire sector where they were willing to provide diverse value-based advice to clients. Armed with 70 years of experience, Sagium set out to do it differently and provide a solution that truly made a difference in the lives of their clients. The Sagium advisors and wealth strategists focus on wealth, health, corporate, and health solutions that are inextricably linked to your personal vision, values, and goals. They take a holistic approach to work with you to answer the following questions. Will we be okay financially if we retire? How can I plan for medical uncertainty? Is my business on my own terms? And how do I protect and distribute my money from an estate perspective? While we all know that life is never a straight line, at Sagium, the team focuses on relevant, insightful, and consistent conversations to bridge the unexpected, to construct your personal wealth plan, and to support you every step of the way. Sagium is also a proud member of our community and donates 1% of their top-line revenue every year to the charitable sector. FYI, folks, I'm proud to share that I'm personally part of the Sagium family. I joined them about two years ago, and I sleep better at night knowing they're in my corner for me, for now, and for my family's future. To learn more about how Sagium can help you and your family, please visit them today at www.sagium.com. Hello, and a warm collisions YYC. Welcome to Mr. Steve Leong. How are you, Steve? I'm good. How are you doing? I am fantastic. Thanks so much for joining. I was introduced to you from uh, Miss Brenda Beckedorf over at Alberta IoT, where I understand you were one of the founding board members. So we'll talk a little bit about that. But you're also, I'm Steve. I'm going to be bold. I think you're a bit of a busy guy. So I know we had a chat before, <laughs> and of course yeah. I'm on your LinkedIn, being a professional creeper that I am. Sensor uh, up. So you're running your own startup, founder and CTO over there for the like past ten years. Also a professor at the University of Calgary for the past nine or ten years. And I, I'm going to, well, a lab scientist at Creative Destruction Labs. Yeah, this is kind of a nice little checklist as I'm going down here. So I'll stop reading. But Steve, I'm really looking forward to gaining your perspective kind of at a high level. You know, first of all, I always like to start, what, what is IoT? Because I think it's, a, you know, death by acronyms. We throw them around and not everybody understands. And maybe get your perspective on how you see the world of IoT, then how we see it in Alberta, and then get into the nuts and bolts of running your own organization. And again, some of the perspectives that I thought were quite interesting that you're getting from your student body and the and the, the the people you're seeing kind of going through the schooling system and how even that's evolved over the last 10 years. So that's a tall order to get that all into a podcast, but let's start with, um, walk us through what I like, give us a little bit of a definition of IOT for anybody from, I don't, I've heard of it, but I don't know to maybe people that have worked in it and are always looking to revise the definition. <laughs> Okay, what is an IoT? Well, number one, you can take my class and then you will learn a... <laughs> nice plug, nice plug, right out of the bat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I don't need more students, but... Uh, <laughs> okay, what's IoT? Actually, I wrote international standard to define what's IoT. Okay. So by definition, IoT means the physical objects in the world, including the virtual objects, right? And then we there is a digital identity. And these objects are able to communicate with each other. Mm. including their digital ident entity as well as the physical 
Okay, that's a very formal definition. No, I, I like that. I felt, uh, yes, that was very. I, I stood up more straight <laughs> when you were giving that definition. <laughs> uh, I can tell you what the reference is. ITUT, um, uh, the reference architecture for IoT. Okay. okay, United Nations standard. But the more like the definition I typically use is this: Imagine a thing in this world in your room, be a mic, be a photo, fo photo album, to be whatever. Okay? okay, in the future, somebody. Well, embed a sensor in that device and put a communication module so that device, that physical thing, will have a digital virtual identity in the cloud, okay? And then so that we can collect data through these physical things. And basically, we can make the things that invisible, like the data that's invisible in our physical place, become visible. And the question is, why? Yes. Why are we doing that? Well, I think that? there's a lot of questions. I think why is maybe just the first one. <laughs> so, yeah, so, so, so let's, I think that was a nice segue. So Steve, I'm curious, tell me why. <laughs> so think about it. When you are able to collect some data in this room, which is invisible to you, what kind of efficiency gain can you get? Can you make the world a better place, more efficient or a safer place? Mm. Imagine all the first responders, for example, um, of sad story, right? Calgary. What I heard is the the previous um, uh, death in action, right? So death of a firefighter, Calgary firefighter. The person, the hero, died a couple feet from the exit. Hmm. So actually, that's totally preventable. But the reason we didn't, we couldn't save the person, the firefighter, is because was because we didn't know where he was. Oh, interesting. Okay. If we know the person in real time. We have that visibility through IoT, you know, a sensor plus the you know connectivity. We can easily easily save them. So, for example, we did something work with the Department of Homeland Security, and in, you know, in collaboration with the um, Defense Research Development Canada, and we, it's called Next Generation First Responders, right? Hmm. So, by putting IoT and get those IoT data feed into AI, and we want to empower the firefighters to be fully connected, fully protected, and fully aware. So this is one example about how can we make the life safer. Right? Other example, smart home, right? When you connect your thermostat uh, to the internet, plug into AI, you can make your, thermo, uh, your uh, furnace more efficient. And you can enjoy exactly the same uh, comfort, for example. And there are many, many different applications. So, but the, it starts from the visibility. So how can I using these real-world things and get that visibility, make the invisible visible, and then what kind of prediction I can do, right? Predict where people are, predict the furnace performance, predict the failure, potential failure, and then to do operational execution. So change the world, right? Save a life or do some changes so I don't need to um, uh, fix it later, right? And or I can stop the methane leaking or oil leaking. Right, we couldn't do that today because we didn't have that visibility. IoT, by interconnecting all these things in the world, will first time give us the unprecedented uh, visibility, and plus the AI, so give us the prediction, and we can do changes. 
So that's it, my definition. I, that that is incredibly. I love the bringing the invisible to visible to then cause a positive outcome, and that I love how it bridges the gap from not only commercial applications but just the world. And and it doesn't matter whether it's business, you know, solving a business problem. But for years we've had gauges and we've had dashboards, but they were th- that information necessarily wasn't smart, right? It wasn't connected at a higher level. It was a gauge on a boiler somewhere that was showing in the red, but if no one could see the gauge, we don't know how to. There was no one could then solve the potential catastrophe that was about to happen. So, okay. Um, you touched a very, very good point. Actually, a connect sensor to the internet to a dashboard is not new. Mm. I'm, I'm going to say something to show my age, okay. <laughs> and before internet, there were many, many different networks. Mm. But the problem is they did not talk to each other. Okay. Okay. So as a result, you cannot create that network effect. You cannot have to build a data fabric to stitch different systems together and then combine them, mesh up, and to do some changes. They are all siloed. So that interoperability was was the the barrier. Hmm. Exactly. So actually the history is repeating itself, right? Internet to web, right? And we see the power of the web. Because interconnectivity, interoperability. Well, the, the name, the name, today, the name, web. You know what I mean? It's, it's a web which implies exactly. interconnectivity. <laughs> exactly. So IoT need to go to that direction, mm-hmm. which is from siloed systems into interconnected system. And actually, that's what my research does. I, I dedicate my past 10 years uh, or 15 years from my master's degree to PhD and to this and that. Oh, no, more than that, 20 years. And <laughs> actually, <laughs> just to enable the interoperability of different IoT systems, so allow them to talk to each other. So more speaking of the breakthrough or the, what's allowing us to now make that big, like that impact on that scale that you talked about, because uh, telematics, things like that, sensors, satellite uplinks, that's not new. That's been around for many, many years, especially in a province yeah. where we kind of have, we essentially have sensors from one end of the province to the other that are out on their own little islands feeding into their own little micro networks. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So interesting. Okay, that, I, that puts a little bit of context because it sounds like you know the first time you hear something, you think it's new. It's like no, this is like I heard what you said. This is an iteration. This is an evolution, and technology is enabling a different level of scale and impact than what was available in the past. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in the past ten years, I start to see you know get into the direction which interconnect different things, but actually it was still very very early stage. Okay. So just imagine your smart home, right? You everybody must have some smart home device, right? And how many apps do you have on your phone to control that three sensors? Yeah. Maybe four different apps. It's ridiculous. You have three <laughs> different systems, you have four apps. Does it? So yeah, it's not, it's, it's not it, it, it becomes now. unrealistic and most people that I know get it. They play with it for a little while, then it becomes arduous and then they just stop and it becomes the thing on the wall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And because they don't talk to each other, they are siloed, right? So there's something I really like, you know, again, plug my company, right? We, we, we look at this, you know, we, we, we are IoT company, this and that. But at the end, we found actually we are building that digital data fabric. So what we do is the weaving. We are stitching, weaving these different data sources from IoT, right? And build that data fabric so that we can empower organizations to do real-time data-driven operations and decision-making. That's what we do. Bye. 
interconnect in different sensor networks. So to simple, oversimplify, we've got data sitting around or data being collected or data even just being monitored, but now we had no way to bring it all together, but now we also have AI and machine learning technologies that can now process this large amount. Because when you start bringing together all of these different data sets and, and make them, get them to speak to each other, that is a massive amount of data to now process. Like what, what do I do with this massive quote unquote pile of data <laughs> that I know there's value in there, I just don't know how to get at it. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So actually, it's a perfect storm now, or it's a convergence of different technologies, okay. right? The 5G, the high-speed mm. network, the cloud. So the cloud scale allow you to, to handle that kind of data set in real time. It's crazy. And plus AI, because I can get all data into the lake, and then so what? Yes. <laughs> right? Yeah. But today, we have the AI. And finally, we have the mobile apps, and then we can push it to the people, the connected workers, to make changes, right? I, every I very much emphasize on operational execution. Mm -hmm. So that's the, you know, for now, it's a connected worker, right? But in the future, maybe a robot dog, right? I really want to get a robot dog, yes. um, but, <laughs> but yes. that's feature. When you think about automation and what, and what that means, and you know, right now we're augmenting the ability for humans to get down to do this or that, but that massive amount of data that was filtered and processed to allow them to go, I need to turn that off or I need to adjust or, or what. Yeah. Or to your point, you're now automated furnace that knows when you come home because you come home Monday to Friday at around the same time. Or, you're, or you've now moved to work from home and it's realized that that so now it keeps it warm during the day like that's so it's it's so nuanced but that makes it very real because that's the world we all live and interact in these physical worlds and when it when yeah. it's truly working well you don't even see it anymore <laughs> okay let me push a little bit right yeah, so I, I have some weird friends doing iot researchers right so actually about 10 years ago we have this uh, workshop in germany called dachstuhl anyway we talk about those smart objects right so let's say these these smart furnace so the problem today smart furnace is uh, the, the furnace system doesn't talk to others, right? Smartphones that. So imagine, let's say you are, actually this is a real real system, right? Um, imagine your window, right? You have a system, okay. have a sensor, and open and close by itself, like your you know, skin cell, yep. okay? And control the temperature. And think, imagine your thermostat talk to those windows, hmm. and you can find the most efficient way to power to to heat up or cool down your home and you can even say i want 20 percent percentage of the air to be fresh and then your furnace will talk to your window to make that happen right so there's the other example about you know it's not just one system mm -hmm. but imagine these different things can talk to each other and you can do some amazing things. And is that the next, as we've had this wave over the last bunch of years with Nest and with the, your cameras on your doors, and but they're all little islands. They're all these little unique tools. Is that where we're seeing it going, where you're going to get more of that yeah. integrated approach, where companies are looking to kind of own the home automation wallet, if you will, or own all of the sensors, but actually then it gives them the ability to yeah, the, the automatic windows against the ceiling fan, against the furnace, against the heat pump, against the air conditioner, all actually working in unison, which is going to have a better quality of life, but also going to be way more efficient from an energy consumption perspective. Mm -hmm. So this is the direction, you know, heading. So actually I can... You know, talk about a little bit of history. I know this space so well, right? Mm -hmm. So, for example, there is a company called Smart Things, and I, I met the founder in the Valley. And then, um, so the idea is, you know, he built a hub device, and it's like one ring rule them all, yeah. right? So <laughs> one device and control many, many different things, right? Talk different protocols, right? And very, 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 very soon, you'll find you have many different rings. So you create new problems. But that company was acquired by Samsung. 
Mm, okay. Right? And then the other company was acquired by Nest. Actually, in that conference, many companies were were acquired. And after six years, seven years, right? And these companies, big companies, they realize, okay, the one ring rule them all doesn't work. So we start to see the big companies, right? Apple, Amazon, Google, they start to sit on the same table and try to develop a international standard, open standard, mm. so that it interconnect. So when I say the internet or the web is repeating itself, the history, it's exactly like that, right? No, try. Everybody tried to build the network and they found out we have to interconnect each other. So smart home is very, very close to that vision. In a couple of years, you will see you are, you are either it's Android or you're Apple and then uh, can you know, connect to different things from different vendors. Versus the one ring to rule them all, which then just ends up being more rings competing with that for that role. Uh, that's interesting. And then if eventually we start to work with each other. Mm, I really, okay, the, the history repeating itself makes more sense to me now as, as you put that. So you being located in Alberta, even talking about going to the Valley and, you know, what's happening, wh where are, where's Alberta on the global stage on this one? Like, is this a problem that there is not a really geographic conversation when you're talking to uh, other researchers and thought leaders in your space? Does it matter where everybody is or is there certain hubs in the world where this, this research is farther ahead or, you know, is looked at differently than compared to what it's looked at here, you know, bringing it back to, you know, where does Alberta sit in this in this ecosystem? I'm going to tell you a very biased view, but it's based <laughs> on evidence, okay. okay? Because I was wondering that. So, for example, since our, uh, my company, we were uh, we joined the plug and play in the valley, okay. right? So I spent about six months there and to, to, to just see, oh, what's a Silicon Valley startup, right? Mm -hmm. And then I, so I have some, my, my observation. So number one, I think, I think the most important thing that's here is my biased view. I think we need good talent and good schools. Mm. And come on, we have very good schools in Alberta, I, I have to say. And again, biased engineering school, our engineering schools are world-class. So we see a lot of inventions, a lot of um, you know, uh, innovations from the, the school. So that's, that's number one. So we can compete, right? So we are, yeah. we are as smart as others. We are work as hard as others, right? And do we have good companies? Actually, we have, a lot of good companies, right? I, I'm from Geomatics, right? So a lot of geom so Calgary is a world like center of Geomatics, mm -hmm. right? GPS algorithm, uh, the, the positioning, uh, Novatel Wireless is here, uh, trusted trusted positioning, this and that, right? So it's a center. So again, we have good technology, good talent, okay? And then Adobotics, if you look at IoT, Adobotics, right? Mm -hmm. Amazing company. Um, so I think we have a issue. It's more like we didn't promote ourselves <laughs> enough. However, I found it possibly we didn't promote ourselves enough within the province. Okay, so Actually, not not, not just to the outside world, but inside our own no. our own ecosystem. <laughs> exactly. So. Oh, wait, I'm going to touch a little bit about talent, right? So I found, if it's very encouraging, is, you know, I teach the first year programming at U of Calgary. So for 14 years, right? So um, in the past, when we ask about the, the first year students, right? Do you want to go high tech? Do you want to do programming, this and that, right? And then, you know, they, they see that it's a, you know, the, the, the programming course is like a boring and uh, they don't want to do this, <laughs> right? They hate this. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, come. And... I think that's an internal problem. They don't know the powerful, the power of this high tech, right? But right now, come on, software engineering is number one. It is, yeah. Right? Every, everyone I talk to, they're, they're looking for the full stack developer, the elusive full stack developer. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So I found we. I found that you know the, the change of the wind direction, right? So I really like that, right? It's more diverse, right? It's from it's starting from students, right? If we talk to first year student, right, we start to see a good balance of they want to go different disciplines, right? Okay. Not only want to go into own gas. I think it's very healthy, and then we are doing a better job now. So the change of high tech startup is. It's real, and when I talk to students, right? I, I in the first year, um, uh, the first very first class, right? I told them, "Who do you want to become in ten years? Who's that person you want to meet within ten years?" Mm-hmm. And describe that to me. And I start to see. Uh, I, I ask you know uh, them to hand, uh, raise hands, right? I start to see more and more hands want to be entrepreneur. That's interesting, and I, I love that, right? Yeah. So, anyways, I, I think I, I, where we are. When I, when I was we, in school, we, when I was in school, if you said you wanted to be an entrepreneur, you got sent to special programs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah, not yeah, celebrated exactly. like it is today. <laughs> no, today is different, different. And then, so I, I see. So where we are, right? I think we we are doing good. We're good talent. We're good companies. There's funding. There's VC funding around, so okay. it's not uh, difficult to raise funding. I, I, I raised twice, so I can say that. I think it's really about. I, I encourage entrepreneurs to think about. Okay, maybe it's my problem where I cannot find funding. Rather than yeah, the, I'm, know, I'm, I'm curious. Problem. The funding that you were able to get access to, because I've had a few VCs on the show as well as some startups. Was it Alberta-based funding, or were you able to attract funding from south of the border? You said obviously you spent time in the valley. That. Did the funding come from here? Was it homegrown funding, or was it the fact that it came from anywhere and they were they were attracted to this to the the the, the solutions you were you were you were solving the problems you were solving with your company? Yeah, I think majority funding is homegrown, so either from Vancouver or Alberta. Okay, yeah, okay, it's, it's from home. Okay. It's from home, so Western Canada, and we do have opportunity to receive funding from other places, but we decide to find the investors we want to work with. And then, yeah. So which which home. is a nice place to be, where you have a strong enough proposition that you can then be, I would say, selective on who you actually. Because I've also heard uh, a key mistake is not having. It's not about funding. It's almost about who the partner is, and then the funding comes next. <laughs> exactly, money is the easy part. It's 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 really about. I know it sounds like weird, but money is easy part. It's <laughs> right. uh, be careful about the money. <laughs> Yes, be, be, care, about be careful about who you're going to get married to for that period of time. <laughs> oh, exactly, right? Exactly. It lasts longer than marriage. No. Yeah, sometimes, uh, sometimes. So, so maybe just touch on a little bit. You've been through the journey twice from a funding perspective. How was that? As obviously someone who's running his own business, also like like a lot of founders, it takes a lot of time and energy to do the funding round. And I've heard a lot of them like, "Oh man, it feels like such a distraction." I'm just curious, your journey. How was that funding experience? You've done it twice, so clearly you're getting a, you've you've got some you've got some mileage in terms of that experience any thoughts or any <laughs> okay. insights you can share around you know being a startup out there looking for for funding in this space i'm gonna say encouraging story actually i think number one is really about building a good company and then with a you know big ambition and do you know build something massive so get out yourself to prepare for that and of course as of early you know startup or entrepreneur there will be some bits and pieces missing right so think about okay and what are, if money comes in, the VC money comes in, you can fill, fill in those pieces. And that's, you know, you, you are mature to raise funding, right? So, but I didn't know that. So, again, a plug for Creative Destruction Lab, right? So we were, you know, since up before CDL, we were in so many different, uh, you know, um, uh, incubators, this and that. They're all good, right? But I was like, yeah, oh, it didn't give me the boost. So, yeah. but when I joined, uh, CDL, right? Uh, Creative Destruction Lab, right? I was like, whoa, this is so different. 
And then, actually, I have to say, uh, we raised $2 million funding after the first meeting. Oh, and wow. After okay. 15 minutes, I talked to my first investor, uh, Paul Lee, and then he made a decision. He's like, Steve, you, you, you know, you, maybe you didn't know, but you have a good company, good raw ingredient, and then you just need these pieces. I have those pieces. <laughs> Let's work together. <laughs> 15 minutes. So it's amazing, right? And yeah, it's a, and second round, and again, try to build a good company, right? Mm-hmm. And attract good talent and big ambition, build something massive. And money is not that a big problem, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Yeah. Build, so build, I, I, solve, I tend to look within. Solve a big problem, do, do something worth solving and make it big enough that will attract people that want to get excited and, and support and partner with you along the way. Mm. Exactly. And then I found right now a big problem is talent retention, right? Okay. So, it, you know, you, you have to have a North Star and vision so that we can retain your talent. So they, they, are, they are thinking they are doing something meaningful, impactful, right? Mm-hmm. It, for you, I'm just curious from a talent perspective, are you able to, ha- like, is your talent in Alberta with remote? Have you been able to attract talent from other parts of geography around the world? So how, is, how has been that talent, the war for talent, if you want to call it that, or the, the, certainly the search and the hunt for you? Have you been able to do it locally or do you have, do you have different pockets from anywhere, like other places in the world where you've been able to access the people you need? Mm, very good question. Actually, at the very beginning, we had this assumption, right? So maybe we cannot attract, you know, enough high-end senior developer in Calgary. I was wrong. Actually, we have very good developers in Calgary, actually, and senior. They are just expensive <laughs> because we pay very well in Calgary. And then so for now, uh, we, um, but, but right now, you know, after COVID, everything's remote. Everybody works remotely. So it's um, uh, mainly we still attract talent. We, we like the talent to be Alberta uh, and BC. So Western Canada, basically, okay. Saskatchewan, we don't, you know, we'll be good. We, um, and then so Western Canada. But right now we have developers in Montreal, in Toronto, yeah, so it's really remote, okay. but mainly in Canada. But ma- but mainly Canadian-based, so like a couple time zones yeah. either, either, either direction. Exactly. And for you, exactly. have you found that like, you know, through COVID, obviously there's been more of a global acceptance now of work remote. I know a lot of people that have worked in technology that are like, hey, we were doing this before it was cool. We did this before COVID. <laughs> so is was that an easy transition, do you think, for the technology space? Again, I knew a lot of developers that were, you know, they'd go in the office one day a week and they worked remote well before COVID happened. I just, I've heard it's an industry that didn't have, it wasn't as big of a shock to the system compared to other sectors. Mm-hmm. So we were remote even before COVID. Okay. But however, that's why we understand it's not easy <laughs> because it's difficult yeah. to build a, you know, it's easy to work together, but difficult to build a, you know, coherent team and culture if everybody's remote, it's a it's an effort, mm, right? Yes. So we really much you know emphasize that effort. So we have a whole bunch of um, you know uh, process, and then you know make sure that we, we build that culture in the re- remote, right? When everybody's remote, and it's not easy. I have to say, I have to say, it's not easy. No, I appreciate what you said. You have to be very deliberate. You can't, there's nothing happens by accident that way. From a cultural exactly. perspective, there isn't those, the things that happen in the office when you just throw a bunch of people together, you know, I, you still need to be delivered about your culture, but you're going to get one either way. <laughs> but, yeah, but, exactly. but with remote, you can get a bunch of people that do good work, but necessarily don't all jive or can finish each other's sentences. And that's a different level of team. <laughs> 
So one, one, one thing, one, one thing I'm really much in my mind right now in the new year, right? New year, right? So, okay, how can we, when we are expanding our team, right? So how can we, you know, as a founder, right? How can I really make our team to feel the passion and feel to know the mission of the company when we are all remote? Hmm. And, and it's not. And, and what and what have you landed on? Because you know a lot of people just leaned in right now to say, okay, Steve, what what what's the secret? So from for yourself, what it, is it? More touch bases? Is it more of a clear vision? What have you found, or what's on your list of of ways to try to do that? There, there are multiple ways, but for now, I I, I you know, founder have to invest time to talk to everybody. Okay, That's yeah. no secret here, right? <laughs> There's no re- AI can replace the founder's <laughs> you know, passion and mission, right? The, 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 robot, yeah. the robot Steve isn't the, isn't the answer, is that what you're telling me? <laughs> no, 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 or oh, robot dogs. Yes. <laughs> I didn't want to refer to you as a robot dog, that's why I didn't say that. I was like, eh, it doesn't seem right. <laughs> It's okay. I, I appreciate the I appreciate the perspective, and you're right. Sometimes you do really there there is no there is no hack for a good old fashioned conversation. No. <laughs> hence the no, hence no. the conversation we're having right now. Just sometimes you just got to talk it through. So talk to me a little bit about you are the one of the you are the founding board member of Alberta IoT. Like Alberta IoT wasn't, and then all of a sudden it was from the outside. And I've known Brenda for years, and then I'm like, oh, I'm doing this. I'm involved with Alberta IoT, and then 100, 200, like. All of a sudden, it became on the radar. So curious, like that was was that your vision, your brainchild? Were you just involved with the right group of people that wanted to put that together? Tell us a little bit about the history of Alberta IoT. So actually, it came together through um, our good friend Moise. Uh, Moise worked for IRAP, and then okay. he was like, "We because from IRAP, right? So he 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 see the amazing things from different companies, but only you know Moise has that view." about what's going on in the province, right? And then so he's like, no, we need to do something about this, you know, interconnect these different companies and build solutions and promote within and and, and externally, right? So he put seven or eight of us together in the same room. And I said, you know what? I know you personally, we are friends. And then I have this idea. What do you think? Mm, And then we chat and we spend, you know, in the first year or two, you say something happened, right? Actually, it didn't. It, <coughs> we spent a year or two in a meeting room, I mean, every month or two, uh, and then to get together eating pizza and then paint the vision, try to build things together, and then try to figure out you know, how to build this together and gradually recruit members. So the great thing about this Alberta IoT is grassroots. Mm-hmm. It's really from the companies, the founders, and we decide this is a great thing to do. And you know, we don't get paid, right? We, there's no, you know, we're not, no benefit in a way, but so I joke this a lot, right? Mm-hmm. I'm in this room because I want to have that pizza meeting or drinking beer with you guys. <laughs> and for everyone who, <laughs> and who, who about that, that's interesting. I didn't know that. So IRAP Industrial Research Assistance Program. I, I knew what it was. I just couldn't remember what it stood for. Again, for anyone listening, you know, an Industrial yeah. Research Assistance Program is funded by the Canadian government. So that's a national program. Is it managed on a provincial level? I didn't. I didn't understand how it was oh, managed. They have different offices across the. Okay, the country, that's what right? I. That's what I thought. So the, yeah, the Alberta office is kind of run on a provincial level, but designed to accelerate the research and development projects of Canadian innovators, which makes a lot of sense when you think about the amount of conversations he or that that team is having, but seeing that it's disjointed and which is such an, I think it's almost maybe a little bit of what we do with this podcast. The reason why we started Mm -hmm. is like, there's all these really good conversations happening, but no one seems to be 
talking to each other, <laughs> interoperability of, of, the, of the ecosystem. Alberta, we, we're really good at putting our head down and doing the work. We're not always necessarily good at talking to about, about it with each other. And I think that's an opportunity mm -hmm. that you, I think you touched mm -hmm. on even at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Interoperability of our, of, our, of our own market. So I know the objective of Alberta to be the leader, the center of excellence. I, I've heard you loud and clear that that yes, that Alberta actually has the capabilities and the potential to really lead globally from an IoT perspective. Like maybe talk a little, like, like a little bit about that. I like those big, like that. That sounds like something massive to me. But maybe is it is it realistic, and what makes it real reality based for you? To, a, a concept like that. Okay. Um, okay. Let me know. Share a example I know the best, which is my company. Right. So. We it's 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 uh, started from university. We've done technologies, right, and talent, and then didn't know how to do business. I mean, my me myself, of course. And then my very first customer was Lucky Martin hmm. from the U.S. Okay, hmm. and they reach out to me and say, "Hey, Steve, Steve, we have something. I mean, it's interesting, right? We we like, right? So here's uh, two hundred or three hundred thousand dollars, and then you can can you develop something, a proof of concept for us, and you own the IP." And I was like, "This is easy. Doing business easy. I just throw <laughs> you money." That, that sounds yes, that sounded great. And, it sounds easy. And, right? and I get and wait, I get to own the IP at the end. Yes, okay, I'll do that for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally wrong, but it, it was good. <laughs> and our next customer, uh, Department of Homeland Security. Interesting. Okay, right. So in a way, I you know when I I somehow again I'm a professor, so it's a little bit different, right? So we will have this uh, you know I can have those um, uh, inbound leads, right? And however, we are doing world-class stuff, hmm. okay? Yeah. And world-class. And so um, if you look at Autobotics, right? They are doing world-class stuff mm -hmm. in Alberta. If you look at, uh, for example, my friend's company, uh, Dr. El Shimi, and his company, the, the previous company, he had many companies, but the previous company, Trusted, trusted Positioning, spin off from your Calgary, and at the end acquired by, um, uh, uh, right now it's TDK, Right, okay. and then every phone has their chip to do positioning. <laughs> if you you know, if not is if if not that's not world class. What's world class? Yes, I trust. Right? <laughs> so we just have so many many different um, examples in Alberta. We are really world class, and technology being embedded and used worldwide. Right, and is part so of, is it, part of the challenge of that story. And I think you alluded at the beginning that that story is not getting well because those two stories you just told. I've you know not that I'm the person in the know, but I talk to a lot of people about a lot of things in Alberta, and I've never heard either of those stories before. <laughs> I think there are two things here. So one is these stories. I mean, we didn't really share enough within. Mm -hmm. But number two is maybe let me push a little bit. Is like we don't have you know in in the past we didn't have many real unicorns so they didn't grow up to the unicorn but before that they they were acquired but you know i have to say having you know building a company to a unicorn status may not be a good thing because sometimes you have the ambition but you know what the market doesn't think you can do that you need to join force with others okay, right, right? Yeah. or they'll crush you so you know i, I think all these in you know, earlier acquisition in in between you know 100 200 million dollars or unicorn they are all good and they are reason they are reasons they they you know they chose that route mm -hmm. right but i think 
Um, so one reason we didn't know because we didn't have many unicorns. So people tend to know unicorns, right? Yes. They don't know this immediately. Because, because right. they catch headlines, for sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? So, so that's one way we need to do a better job. For example, you know, Chris, right? So my friend TDK, <coughs> I mean, the trusted positioning, right? And then today, um, because of them, so uh, TDK is a Japanese company. They set up a shop, an R&D center in Calgary. <laughs> so even though they were acquired, they were growing and hiring talent. Right, it's still it's a good story, and but recently we start to hear more and more unicorns, mm -hmm. right? Benevity is one example, mm -hmm. right? And then so I think again I, I use this analogy my my mom told me, right? <laughs> if you look at the garden, you know if all the flowers is like the same color, same size, and the same rose kind of rose, right? All red rose, like five centimeter wide, right? Do you think that beautiful garden? <laughs> No, no. no. <laughs> you need to have a vibrant ecosystem, right? Mm. The little one, the tall one, the yellow, the yeah, everything. And I think right now in the recent years, right, in Alberta, we start to see some tall Yes. <laughs> like a big we're, we're getting the big flowers and, and there's a lot more small exactly. flowers than there ever was. That's a great I, exactly, I might have to borrow exactly. your mom's metaphor down the road. <laughs> <laughs> I like it, it's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> so from your perspective, when you when you look at that, is I guess thinking about the positivity and all the opposite, is, is there anything, if you could wave your magic wand, is there anything that's getting in our way? Is there anything you'd say, you know what, if we could just get rid of that thinking or we could maybe fix that lack of funding or that talent, is there anything that stands out for you as, as, as a barrier to the, our garden being even more dynamic? <laughs> it's talent. Back to talent. We need more talent. Okay. We need more um, high-tech workforce, right, in okay. electrical engineering, geomatics, in software, and we need the students to be bolder, to be, uh, you know, dare to build something massive, to be, you know, um, yeah, to be brave. Mm -hmm. I think uh, I see a change, but I want to see these students or everybody to be more brave, to be really want to venture into new things, you know, you know, in the high tech, right? Mm -hmm. So I think one big different things in the Valley or in other places is, for example, a Uber driver picked me up at the Silicon Valley, in the plug and play center. And then because he knew about plug and play center, a Uber driver, I mean, and then he, he said, oh, so you must be a, you know, you're either a VC or startup founder, right? <laughs> I said, oh yeah, I have a startup uh, company and, and this and that. And he started to ask me questions like, have you raised the venture funding? So I he yes. so he had all the lingo. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then he asked me, I have this startup idea. Can I run it by you? And of course, it's a very you know early stage idea. Mm -hmm. But I was like, you can have this kind of conversation with everybody. <laughs> that's awesome. that's a great story. <laughs> yeah. And, and, I, I, yes, if, and now that'll happen, but only inside certain circles. I've had a lot of great conversations with Uber drivers, but I've never had that conversation. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a sign, right? It's like, you can have that with everybody. Hmm. Right? And that really correlates right back to your experience of having more students put their hand up and say, "I in ten years, I want to I want to talk to the version of me that's now an entrepreneur that's that's daring to 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 build something massive. I really dare to build something massive." And there's a campaign in there somewhere as a marketer. I can't help it. <laughs> mm -hmm. So when you see your students kind of, uh, well, because your students, you're doing an entry level, uh, you're, you're doing the, the, do you work with students all the way through? I guess, are you seeing when students get to the end of, of their, their university tenure at, that, at, at the phase that they're at, depending on obviously where they want to take it, are, are they feeling, because of course there's lots of headlines that our talent is moving away. 
are we are you starting to see an optimism that I can stay here in Alberta and do this massive thing? Like, uh, are you having that kind of optics or conversations at the at the uh, at the schooling level, or university level? Um, from okay, I I know the high tech job market, right? Especially software developer. Man, there's no shortage of software developer job mm. uh, in Calgary, in Alberta, in Edmonton. No, not at all. Actually, they don't need to move away, and especially today, right? Um, it's uh, they can really choose, right? So I I don't see that as a problem right now. It is really a personal choice because you know if you move to the valley, okay, great. And then you have to live in a basement, right? That's really what you want. <laughs> yes, where you have to wash your your dishes in the bathtub because there's not even a sink. Yes, I understand. Yeah, you know, but but um, also I think sometimes we underestimate. I, I don't know. I don't want to sound old or young when I say this, but sometimes just if you grew up here and you went to school here, sometimes moving away and maybe coming back later, that's also part of the journey of growing up too. I think moving away and learning some skills and coming back and to start your family or whatever the case may be, I also think that's not a bad thing. <laughs> yeah, back to my garden analogy, right from my mom. <laughs> We need people, you know, go going out and then coming back, right? Bring something different perspective. Bring bring, bring some new a new bag here. of seeds. I love this garden exactly. analogy. We could do the whole show with a garden analogy. <laughs> exactly. Tell you your mom would be proud. Yeah. No, 100%. And that going away and, and coming, because we have a quality of life here. We just have so much going for us in Calgary. But I do appreciate when you're on the journey of growth and evolution and you're young, going away and coming back, you know, and bringing things back to our ecosystem that you learn somewhere else and having that experience, that is also part of the journey of being young. So I, yeah, I think some exodus, as long as they return or go, and I've had people say that, like, wow, when it was time to start a family, I came back here because I know that I've got an infrastructure and my parents are here. And there's a, it's different phases of life too, right? And just respecting that. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So when, when I hear this kind of problem or like I cannot raise funding or can we keep telling here, I tend to look within. It's like, hmm. do we have a back to garden? Do you have that <laughs> soil which is nutritious? Hmm. And then they will come back. Hmm. If yes, they will come back. Yes. Na nature will always go where it's easier to do what it wants, what it needs to do, right? If you think about it that exactly. way. Exactly. So look within. It's like, you know, do we have a good foundation to grow? If yes, Good things will happen. Mm. And from the companies that you're seeing or that you're dealing with, or even with what the government, are we creating that? And I'm, I'm talking about it at a provincial level. Are we creating fertile soil for that? It feels like we are. We're doing better at it over the last couple of years. That's my observation. I tend to be tend to be more bullish than bearish on that. But I know we can always do better, but I feel the soil is getting more fertile for that tech startup ecosystem. It feels like it's getting better, but I'm also talking to those individuals. So I think I have a bias as well. <laughs> I think it's getting better, but I have to say, the, the goalpost is moving. Mm, as it always because does. Because we are competing. Yeah, right. Okay. Right? So I was on an uh, expert panel of a federal government um, panel. So basically, it's, it's a CCA, Council of Canadian Academies, right? So every four years, uh, CCA write a report uh, regarding the state of R&D in Canada. So that's mm, a, okay. you know, become a policy-making uh, material, right? So reference material. So at the time, we reviewed the world, right, in R&D investment. And then we found we used to do quite good and we, um, as, you know, as a country, right? And then we also, our output is very, very good. However, the world is changing, mm, okay. right? So we are not competing only with the, uh, the G7s. <laughs> we are competing with many different India, China, you know, you name it, right? South Korea, Taiwan, this and that. And it's a, it's a moving, the, the target is moving. So we just have to do better. I mean, every year, because if we don't, you know, to focus on improving ourselves, 
in a year or two, man, it's a different landscape. Yeah, when, when you come back for the next season, to use a sports analogy, those teams have been practicing, they've been training, they have new playbooks, they have new strategies. It's not you're not going to play the team you played last year. The team is different now. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Hmm. Right. It's it's moving. Do you see when you look when you looked out at that on a global perspective? Because obviously now you're dealing with different cultural biases and different belief structures in these different you know countries where they look at maybe hard work, drive, success very differently. Does Canada have? Do we have the? Do we have the grit to do that against some of these countries that are willing to put in? They're willing to work harder. Maybe I don't know. And I'm just making these are broad. We're you know we're delving into a whole new conversation here. <laughs> we talk about that in the report. Okay. A great thing about Canada is diversity. Hmm. So actually, as you know, a, a gentleman, I mean, John, he was the former um, chairman of TD Canada okay. and the R&D head, global R&D head of IBM. And he says something. It's like, oh, the the um, the stop scene in BC is, is very good because we start to see some Asian entrepreneurs coming. Uh, and they are more aggressive. Hmm. They work harder. And it's good. I was like, oh, okay. okay. I like. <laughs> I appreciate our diversity. Then becomes our strength because we're able to now yeah. have a mixed bag of cultures and beliefs and 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 the and the grit because it really comes down to who's willing to outwork the person beside them. <laughs> Seems to be often where it is. It's, it is an arms race for also hard work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's a diversity really because you know. Also, I'm from Taiwan, right? So we work very, very hard, right? But it has its own drawback, mm. right? Okay. So it's, uh, yeah, it's rigid. It's 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 a it's long working hours, right? No work life balance. So it kind of reduced the innovation in a way. Uh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. anyways, different kind of innovation. So, um, I think diversity is really our strength, and we we really need to keep that. Mm, where net net new immigration. I had Terry Rock on recently from Platform chatting mm, about some yeah. of the startups that he's dealing with that have made their choice on almost on a global stage to now come and set up shop in Calgary. This is companies from South Asia. It was quite a diverse and you know it was interesting to hear because that, that was that again doesn't always make it into the news or the headlines of like, hey, four new startups from all around the world who got funding decided to come to Calgary over the 10 other places they could go or whatever the case may be. I think those are also those are stories we need to tell because if people go, oh, Oh geez, well that gets I that didn't you know when you don't know something's happening, it's hard to know that it's happening. <laughs> exactly. We have good stories here. Mm, and if you can't if you don't see it, it's hard to believe you can be it. So it's fantastic mm -hmm. having mm -hmm. someone on like yourself because you've got such a perspective. And I appreciate it. and I'm curious, I wanted to ask a little bit because I've had a few people on. Is it is it just now more cool for a professor to have his own startups in Calgary? Is that a thing as well? Because I've heard that that's, <laughs> I've heard that if you're a professor and you don't have a quote unquote business or a side hustle, you're not doing something right. Is that true? <laughs> uh, okay, it's changing. I would still say, okay, I have to say, when I started my company, I didn't know what I get myself and my wife into. Uh, well said. That's okay. very honest statement. And then, but. The reason, one of the reasons I, I, I did this is because when I was a PhD student, my professor started a company mm. and then that technology uh, together, we you know the team developed, was acquired by Microsoft. So at the time I was like, oh, all professors should be doing that. Nice. You saw, and you, you later saw, you I saw learned, what's possible. <laughs> yeah. And, and later I learned no. <laughs> <laughs> so back to this, I think one of the things I, you know, I really like try to you know do more is on campus try to promote it is possible it is fun and if your heart leading you to that direction it is possible this is one option but I also emphasize it's not an option for everybody yeah 
Yes, the, the glamorous stories of entrepreneurship are easy to tell, but the um, <laughs> the battlefield has many scars. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to know actually the sleepless night I have, and then work life balance. What is that? <laughs> and my and hours I, I work right. I typically put in twelve to fourteen hours a day. It's just crazy. But when you work for yourself, people are like, I'm, I'm like, there's someone will ask me something. I'm like, oh, my boss is a tyrant. They're like, don't you work for yourself? I'm like, exactly. So that's a whole other kind of paradigm around yeah. when you work for yourself. It is it is very different and I appreciate but I, I really see thanks for your candor today and your honesty that was I was really looking forward to our, to our chat and certainly the variety of perspectives that you have point of views with research and bias that's like wow I think this but here's the research to back it up and and a few excellent metaphors that I may steal going forward I may I may tell your mom's the garden analogy more than once in the next, in the, in the next week so Steve thank you so much for coming on the show if someone wants to learn a little bit more obviously about um, sensor up I'm assuming they can go visit your website if they want to take your course what are the best ways for people to learn more about about you and how to get more connected so go to sensor up right sensorup.com okay perfect they can find it there and what if there's a, now a lineup of people listening here that want to go take your course i'm assuming they just go on the on, on the university of calgary website and they can find it there what what is the what it, well, actually what are the courses you you actually teach what are they called um i right now i teach a <laughs> advanced graduate course uh, about Internet of Things. Okay, so, okay of course. Sorry, it's still, it's still a question. <laughs> and are you still teaching no, the, no. the introduction to programming? Mm. Yeah, I, I, I teach two, two courses. I'm a research chair, so I'm teaching reduction. So one is introduction to programming. Okay. So it's first year, and the other one is a grad course. So nothing in between. Okay, so you're, you, you bookend the whole thing. You'll see me at the beginning, yeah, and you'll yeah. see me at the end if you choose this path. I understand. Yes. yes. <laughs> Steve, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thanks for the work you do in, in, in elevating the what is happening in our city. And uh, keep it up. I love it. That was a great conversation. Thank you so much. Great. Thank you.